Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Yes Functional Longevity Podcast. We give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Um, good afternoon. My name is Chris Borda, best-selling author and owner of Yes Fitness. I would like to first, a little bit early, but uh, happy Mother's Day to all those moms out there. It is a special weekend, although we should always celebrate our moms every single, every day of the week, every day of the year. So hopefully you get to spend some time with your family and you have, uh, I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but hopefully get some nice weather and get outside and, and just enjoy it all together. We don't have any housekeeping, so we're going to get right into this. And this is a topic that might be interesting to moms out there. We're going to talk about osteoporosis, the three exciting new strategies for building perfect bone to stop osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is scary. We don't know you have it. When you might have it, you don't even know it. It can affect your life very negatively. Many times, like I said, you don't know it until it's too late. Why take that chance? So today, we're going to talk about the latest research and strategies to detect and prevent it. So let's first talk about the changes in the skeletal system as we age. So bone density declines at a rate of about 1% per year from age 40 until 50. That's for both men and women. So this is not just for women. This is for men also. 1% from age 40 to 50. In women, though, bone loss increases to about 2 to 3% per year during and five to 10 years following menopause. So that acceleration is not good. And women often lose up to one third of their bone mineral density during that time period, one third. So the rate of bone loss increases for both men and women in their eighth and ninth decades. So if we're going to live that long and we want to be active, we want to try to take care of this now because we don't want to get to the point where we're losing this bone density so quickly that we become osteoporotic and we are at risk for, for falls and fractures. The result of weaker bone structures just means you're more susceptible to fractures. Physical activity levels are one of the many factors that influence peak bone development any age-related loss of bone mass, physical activity. That means we need to get off our butts and move. But we need to move in a specific way. In February and took another continuing ed workshop on osteoporosis and well, there's some new stuff out there that I know. And uh, like I say all the time, we got to stay on top of this industry because things are always changing. And if we want to have the best, the best possible programming, whoever your coach is needs to be staying on top of this. And I'll get to it a little bit more later because there's something that I thought was working, but it, it really is not. So muscles, muscle strength is closely correlated with bone mass, indicating that mechanical stimulus, that would be like lifting weights, pulling and tugging on things. Mechanical stimulus of movement is important in the development and the maintenance of bone mineral density. 
Now, osteoporosis is a disease often associated with age that is characterized by low bone mass and quality, which increases bones being fragile and risk of fractures. It's diagnosed through some bone mineral density tests and a bone mineral density of 0.25 standard deviations below the mean for young women defines osteoporosis. So that's the definition of osteoporosis. Um, 2.5 standard deviation below the mean for young women. Whereas a bone mineral density of minus one to minus 2.5 standard deviation below the means for young women defines is defined as osteopenia. Approximately half of all women and 12% of all men over the age of 50 will have an osteoporosis-related fracture. Let me say that again. That's a huge amount. Half, approximately half of all women and 12% of all men over the age of 50 will have osteoporosis-related fracture. And the most common fracture sites are the spine, the hips, and the wrist. So what I want you to keep in mind as I go through this, and why this is really so scary, is osteoporosis cannot be completely reversed and is not considered curable. Osteoporosis cannot be completely reversed and is not considered curable. So when we address osteoporosis, we want to try to maintain the bone mineral density you have right now. And there are a number of health and lifestyle adjustments you can make to improve your bone loss. Your provider may also prescribe medications. I'm not going to get into medications to help rebuild and slow down that bone loss, but it's not completely reversible. If your bone keeps getting thinner over time, osteopenia can turn into osteoporosis. So when we're talking about osteoporosis, pardon me, osteopenia, we want to think about maintaining or increasing our bone density. It's possible in the osteopenia state. So we want to be working on that. And we're going to talk about that particularly with exercise today. A range of treatments and healthy habits can strengthen your bones, slow osteopenia, and prevent osteoporosis. So we think about the word osteoporosis, the one defined it. Osteo refers to bones and porous means pores. So osteoporosis is when there's a higher breakdown of bone in comparison to the formation of new bone, which results in porous bones, meaning a decrease in bone density to the point of potential fracture. A couple of terms we're going to talk about, osteoblast. Osteoblast, their main responsibility in the bone is to synthesize bone. It makes bone. And osteoclast, C-L-A-S-T, main responsibility is to break down the bone, or removes bone, and increases the surface area for bone res resorption. Both cells are needed for bone remodeling. So the osteoclast will make some space for the bone remodeling, the reabsorption, and the osteoblast rebuild or starts to relayer those bones. That's his simplistic uh, definition. It takes about 100 to 150 osteoblasts to replace bone removed by one osteoclast. So 
take a lot of osteoblasts to overcome that osteoclast. And it takes about three months to fill bone removed by one osteoclast in one to two days. So you can see the body is getting rid of it almost faster than we can re relay it, okay? Remodel it. So when osteoclast breaks down bone faster than the osteoblast can rebuild it, it results in lowering of the bone mass and eventually into osteoporosis. So at first glance, bone may appear inert and unchanging. Like it's the same all the time, right? But it's a very dynamic tissue. It takes four to six months for remodeling and up to a year for changes to occur. So the spongy bone, part of the bone is spongy, is replaced every three to four years. And the compact bone is replaced uh, every 10 years. And in this replacing process where we lose some bone and remodel, it's called bone remodeling. We typically reach our peak bone mass usually around age 20 to 25, and this usually occurs early in, early in females and in males. And males, you know, it's been increasing the amount of males that have osteoporosis because years ago men were out there doing a lot of blue-collar labor. Now they're sitting in front of computers. And like I said, this is a disease for both men and women. And as men's lifestyles become more and more sedentary, more and more men are experience osteoporosis. So factors that will determine your peak bone mass are genetics. For example, people of African descent tend to have greater bone mass. Nutrition, always nutrition is always involved, right? Meaning adequate vitamin D intake increases bone peak mass. Vitamin D is critical. So if you need to get your vitamin D check when you go to see your physician. Many, many people are low in vitamin D and you need to be taking some type of supplement. And finally, strength training increases peak bone mass, as well as hormones like estrogen and androgens that inhibit bone resorption. Okay, now when osteoclasts break down bone faster than osteoblasts can rebuild it, that results in lowering the bone mass, right? Osteopenia, osteoporosis. But there are factors that accelerate bone mass loss and increase the risk for osteoporosis. So I just want to go over them quickly, okay? One would be low estrogen levels, like after we have menopause. That's why we saw that spike in the amount of bone density we, that women lose as they age, as they go through menopause, and those five to 10 years afterwards. Low serum calcium. Additional factors include alcohol consumption, smoking, and actually some drugs. Other factors is physical activity. And we see this particularly in astronauts in the zero gravity environment where they don't use the musculoskeletal system. They're just floating around in space. They don't use it as hard as when they were on, on Earth. And the result, bone deposition decreases due to the lack of stress while reabsorption, resorption increases. And there's actually some diseases that can cause osteoporosis. I'm not an osteoporosis expert in any way, shape, or form, but I do know what it takes exercise-wise to counteract osteopenia and the loss of bone mineral density. So now that the two most common types of osteoporosis are post-menopausal osteoporosis 
and senile osteoporosis. In the postmenopausal osteoporosis, tongue twister, I need a little drink of water here, decreased estrogen levels lead to the increased bone resorption. While senile osteoporosis, on the other hand, is believed that osteoblasts just gradually lose the ability to form bone while the osteoclasts keep doing their things unabated. So bone resorption usually overtakes bone formation around the eighth decade of life. What's really scary is people don't usually have any symptoms until a fracture occurs. And again, the most common fractions occur in the vertebral, verte, vertebral fractures of spine, okay? Compression fractures occur. They just, the, the, the vertebrae just cr compress and crack and break. Those are compression fractures. It's when the bone is weak and the spine is weak and it can shatter and you, and you can get, you can actually get back pain because of this. You can lose your height because of this and you can get a hunched posture from this. Femoral neck fractures, like I said before, the hips, and then we have distal radius fractures, which is the wrist can occur. And, and this is most often associated with postmenopausal osteoporosis. So I have a couple of slides for you today. And the first one is, let's get this up on the screen here. Let's be right here. Nope, right here we go. That's not the right slide. Let's start with slide number one in here. Number one, what we're taking a look right here is our optimal bone environment. So with nutrition, for nutrition to be good, okay, you have to have calcium and vitamin D to help absorb that calcium. And you have to magnesium because that controls osteoblast and osteoclast. So that part of your nutrition would, is important for optimal bone environment. When we take a look at the hormonal environment, and this is a, this is a real rabbit hole, so I'm not going to get into this too much, where you have calcium regulation, parathyroid hormone, calcitron, calcitrol, estrogen, testosterone. We've got systems like thyroid hormones, cortisol, all these things affect the hormonal environment that need to be correct for us to have optimal bone environment. And then finally, exercise. So these are the three, three areas that we want to take a look at if we want to have optimal bone environment. What we're going to take a look at today is we're going to take a look at exercise because that's what my expertise is. Talk a little bit about nutrition. Certainly don't know anywhere near enough about hormonal environment to... Um, to get into that, especially in uh, today's broadcast. So the first thing we want to talk about here, we're going to talk about Wolf's Law. So Wolf's Law states that your bones will adapt based on the stress or demands placed on it. So when you work your muscles, they put stress on the bones. In response, your bones tissue remodels and become stronger. That's why strength training is so important. That's why we want to do it. So you can see on the left, we have a little skinnier bone. And on the right, we can see that it's gotten thicker because it's gone under some type of stress. We've had some kind of tugging on those bones, those muscles working the bones. 
So another concept we want to think about here is what's called minimal essential strain. So minimal essential strain is the amount of stress needed to start bone remodeling. So if we start to bend a bone and it bends the right amount, we're going to get some remodeling. So the greater the minimal essential strain is, the greater the bone remodeling. In turn, the less the minimal essential strain will result in bone loss. So if we don't have enough strain, it's not going to happen. We're not going to remodel, okay? If there's too much, then we can actually break the bone. And we'll talk about breaking the bone again a little bit later. So we need to think about this as we're doing here. We need to, like in most systems in the body, we need to overload the system, but we need to overload it correctly to get the minimal essential strain before we have the remodeling effect. So we talked about three things to look at in the beginning, right? Strain magnitude. This is the number one thing we look at when we're exercising, strain magnitude. The amount of relative change in bone length under mechanical loading. So this, this is a little bit hard to see this graph. But to the left, okay, we have up this side, up the y-axis, we have bone absorption and then bone remodeling. The higher we go up, the more bone remodeling. As we go across the bottom, it's mechanical stimulus. So if you see about one-third of the way through, we don't have enough mechanical stimulus. Okay, it's, there's not enough there's not the minimal essential strain on the bone for it to um, for it to change. And then when we get to the middle of the mechanical, the bone is just going to stay the same. So the strain magnitude is just enough. It's not quite there yet. It hasn't reached the minimal essential strain for there be to bone remodeling. And then finally, in the last third of this graph, we can see that we've we finally hit the minimal essential strain and the more minimal the more minimal essential strain say that three times fast the more gain we get in bone again too much stress can actually damage the bone so we need to be careful of that and bones have a displacement. They do displace. But as we get older, they don't displace as much. We need to be more careful as we get old as far as for that, how much force we can put on the bone for the displacement to occur. So how much load will challenge to be safe? Well, this is all based on your bone health, not your age. It's all about your bone health because you could be 50 and have great bone health. You could be 50 and not have good bone health. And we would only know this if we were to get a bone scan. So that's number one. Number two, we have strain rate. So strain rate is actually tempo and speed. The tempo, the speed of the force that's applied and removed. So apply and remove the force quickly. That is very important. So when we think about this, Bone responds best from quick responses. So if we take a look at this graph, up the y-axis we have load, on the left axis we have deformation. So the curve at the bottom here is when there's a slow. When it's slow, we can see that a fracture occurs at a lower load. But if the 
load is applied quickly or fast, we can see that diffraction won't occur until much more, much further along the deformation axis, the x-axis. So bone will fracture faster when the load is applied slower. So bone responds best from quick forces. The longer the load, the more likely the bone is to break. The longer the bone has to hold the tension, the more likely the bone will break. We want it to go fast. Bone is less likely to break from something that is quick. So we want the force to become quick, and then we want it to come back slow, uh, quickly as well. So when we're going to talk about walking in a few minutes and running, walking has a slow force development. Running has a quick force development. It's much faster. Foot's on the ground much, much faster than just a walk slow, heel toe, heel toe. So what do we think would be better? According to strain rate, Yes, some type of jogging or running would be better than walking. And the third thing that we want to take a look at is strained cycle or frequency. So the number of repetitions that changes bone dimensions at any given magnitude. So if we look at our graph here with the load on the left and reps on the right, equals bone loss. So if you have low load, low reps, you're going to have low, you're going to lose bone. If you have really high load and really high reps, you're going to break the bone. So you don't want to be at either end of this spectrum. You don't want to be a heavy load with high reps because you're going to break the bone and you want to have low load with low reps. You're going to lose some bone. Ideally, Research shows, with a, in a squat research, that 40 reps is the sweet spot. 40 reps. So not too much, not too little. And when we apply these forces, we want to apply this. This is very difficult to see. I'll tell you why in a second. But... <clears throat> Bone distribution, so I should say the strain distribution, how we want to strain those muscles. We want to strain a multiplanar. So to the left, the bone on the left just has a compression, so we're pushing down on the edge of the bone. We want a tension, so we want to pull on each end of the bone. We want to have a shearing force. We want to be coming across the bone. We want rotation, a torsion, so a twisting on that bone. And we want to have bending on that bone. The way the strain is distributed across a section of the bone determines what kind of bone remodeling is going to occur. It goes all the way back to Wolf's Law. So we want to make sure that we are multiplanar. We want to do this in all different planes. We don't just want to do the same thing over and over again. Because what happens is, is it's called desensitizing with extended load. So this is, the body will desensitize if you do the same thing over and over again. But this in particular, desensitizing with extended loaded just extended load like running is an example that you don't want to just run. That's a big thing that I thought, hey, you know what? It's better to go out there and run jogging than it is to be walking. 
When in reality, over time, the body gets used to either one of those. The body gets used to running because it gets desensitized to the activity and it no longer has the same effect it has in the beginning when it might have been irregular or an unusual dis distribution like you started to run. So you want to take a look at interval training. So we're going to talk about that a little bit further as we get right into exercise itself, what exercise is best. We want to make sure that we have rest of greater than 15 seconds. That's ideal. So in between bouts, if we were going to do 40 reps or something, if we were going to, do, if we were going to jog, if we were going to sprint, we'd want it to be about 40 contacts maybe, and then 15 seconds rest is ideal. A little bit more rest is even better. Let's see what we got here. The next slide. So when we try to put all this together, okay, we need to take a look at a few things, okay? So things will vary depending upon your bone status. What, what, how is your bone density at, this, at the time of the activity? We need to take a look at clinical risk factors for falls. Are there other reasons why you might fall? Have you had previous fractures? Do you have any contraindications to exercise? Those are all important things to take a look at. But the most building, bone building activities have high strain magnitude, the first one, and or high strain rate. Short bouts of activity are preferred. Okay, they're preferred that with recovery was then a long duration of loading. Again, interval training, sprint, go hard, and then rest. And we're going to talk about a little bit more about, about different activities here. If we're going to take a look at the different exercise activities, so as, as we take a look at this exercise itself, we've got aerobic activity, okay? So aerobic must be weight-bearing in high speed or high intensity. That's the key to it. It must be weight-bearing and it must be high intensity and high speed. So if we're talking about a non-weight-bearing aerobic activity, that would be something like swimming, cycling, or on the elliptical. That has minimal Strain magnitude. Strain magnitude was the first thing we want to have, right? That is minimal strain magnitude. That is minimal strain rate. The cycle, the, pardon me, the strain cycle and frequency could be continuous or interval. In the strain distribution, when we talk about the ways that it's going to be tugging on the bones, cycling and elliptical are in one plane. Most Swimming can be multi-plane or meaning in different directions, but you're just going in one way. If you're on that cycle, if you're on that elliptical, it's one plane of motion, arms and legs going the same way all the time. So non-weight bearing aerobic training is not one of the better things to do because there's minimal strain magnitude, minimal strain rate. And unless it's interval, it's going to be a strain cycle or frequency that's continuous, all three things that we're not looking for. So when we take a look at walking in particular, okay? Well, let's go to this first. Let's go to weight-bearing aerobic training because that's what I have next on the screen here. So when we take a walk weight-bearing aerobic training, okay, that would be something like 
jogging, running, dancing, walking. The strain magnitude is going to vary depending upon what the mode. So we don't have a whole lot of stride magnitude necessarily when we're dancing or when we're walking. But we have a lot of high strain magnitude if we're jogging. Our strain rate also will vary with the mode because if we're walking, we're not going to be going at a high rate like we would be if we were running or, or dancing is not going to be as at a high rate as we are if we were running. When we take a look at strain cycle and frequency, both or anything could be continuous or interval. Again, we don't want it to be continuous. We want it to be more of an interval factor. We don't want to be over 40 beats, right? And the strain distribution varies depending upon what you're doing. How it's going to tug on the bones is going to vary with what you're doing. So if we are doing weight training aerobic activity, it's really going to vary depending upon what you're doing. But you want to keep those things in mind, the strain magnitude, strain rate, strain cycling frequency, and the strain distribution. So let's talk about walking in particular, okay? Walking has been found to be ineffective for enhancing bone mineral density in non-sedentary post-menopausal women. So I'm going to just say that again. Walking. A doctor always says, go out and walk. Let's go out and walk. If you just go out and walk, it has been found to be ineffective for enhancing bone mineral density in non-sedentary post-menopausal women. Think about this too. When we walk, we have these nice cushy sneakers stopping what little impact we might be getting from walking. But the strain magnitude can change depending upon the walking. So if you are sedentary and you start to walk, it's going to be above that minimal essentials that's necessary, okay, to create some type of change. So it's going to, it's going to hit that minimal essential strain. But if you're active and you're going to walk, you might think about going up an incline, declines. You might wear a weighted vest. I would strongly recommend not holding the hand with dumbbells in your hands. It throws off your stride. It can cause shoulder problems. It, can, it does really nothing. So you'd want to wear a weighted vest. But over time, if you wear a weighted vest and you're just doing walking, the body's going to get used to that. It's going to desensitize. So you'd have to change. You if you're sedentary and we're talking about a strain rate, if you're sedentary and just start walking at a normal speed, it's going to meet it's going to meet that minimal effect, okay? But if you're active, then you need to vary your speed. You need to go faster and slower. You need to go uphill, downhill. You might need to have some weight on sometimes. If we're talking about the strain cycle and frequency, you need to do a combination um, of interval and continuous if you're sedentary. Certainly, if you're active, you need to definitely take a look at just doing interval-type work. So strain distribution. Walking is just going to be sagittal to the front of planes. You can walk sideways a little bit to the side and stuff like that. Um, it all just depends on what direction you're going. The same thing if you're an active person. But you see, you can see walking can be good for someone who's not doing any, anything. If you're sedentary, get up and start moving, okay? We try to walk fast. Maybe put a little weight on your shoulders. If you're active, I really recommend you need to start doing some type of interval work. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be running. It can be some interval training like we do in here, whether we're kettlebell swings or slams or ropes, whatever it might be, because it's not going to be continuous. So let's take a look at in 
obviously you need to make sure that you can do the impact work that we're telling you to do. If you have bad knees or back or feet or something like that, if you have some contraindication to being doing that activity, you can't do it. And some other ways to, to address it. Um, if you're talking about an impact exercise, okay, it's some type of jumping, that would have a high strain magnitude, body weight plus. Your strain weight would be quick if you're doing jump squats, right? Strain cycling frequency would be great as well. You're not going to do that many jump squats without getting tired. And you can go in different directions. Then there's something that's called the drop step exercise, where you would step off with the incline, okay? So you're on a small step, just step off, drop and land on one leg or land on two legs. Vary the height depending upon the, who your, your level of fitness and your contraindications to exercise. But that magnitude would be great because you have the step height. You could wear a weighted vest and you have your body weight. You're going to have good strain rate um, because it's going to be a quick drop. It's going to be fast. Strain frequency. You don't want to do more than 40, okay? So you might do some sets, but you don't want to total more than 40. You can load increases. The reps can decrease. You can break it, break it up into sets. So there's a lot of different ways to play with the drop step exercise. Okay. And then for the upper body, you can do some push-ups or fall downs. Okay. So that's like a plyo push-up. You can do it on a wall. You don't necessarily have to do a push-up on the ground. You can do this right on the wall. We just pop push up fast and then land back down on your hands. That's going to have, it could have a nice uh, strain magnitude because of your body weight, especially if you're on the floor. You can do double arm or single arms. You can have a weighted vest, so there's ways to play with that. The strain rate can be quick because it's going to come up and down fast. Strain frequency. I don't know who's going to be doing 40 plow push-ups, but you don't want to do more than 40, so you might want to think about doing that instead, bringing that up a little bit. And you can increase the load by wearing a vest or a chain or something like that, and you, or you can decrease the reps. So there's some ways to play with that as well. And depending on your hair placement as well, change – the strain distribution. So the best, the number one, the one we always talk about, is resistance training. And I'm just going to take this off the stream for a second here because that's in our way some there. I just noticed that. Resistance training can have a nice high strain magnitude. The strain rate, you can certainly play with the tempo. So, yes, that would be great. Your strain frequency, you certainly have control of the amount of repetitions you're going to do. And your strain distribution, you can come at it from all different angles. Strength training is the number one exercise activity to do for upper, lower body, spinal, hip, wrist, the whole nine yards for building bone density. You want to think about doing high loads, 70, 90% of your one RM. So we're lifting a little bit heavier, 70 to 90%. We're looking at eight to 10 reps, a couple of sets, a few times a week. That's what we're looking at. That's your prescription for resistance training. The number one thing you can do to have healthy bones. And there's something else that's called very, 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 vibration training, pardon me, vibration training, where you would actually stand on a device and it vibrates. I'm not going to get into that too much. I don't have one, but you'd have to go to a special facility to have something like that. Um, 
and researchers kind of just still admit to that, but there can be some gains in that as well. So one last thing we need to take a look at before we're done here is what you want to make sure that you're not doing. You're not quite sure if you have osteoporosis. Even if you have osteopenia, you want to be make sure that we're not doing any lumbar flexion. That means rounding, you know, rolling forward, like doing a sit-up. Do not do lumbar flexion. Especially don't do lumbar flexion with lumbar rotation. You don't want to do lumbar rotation in general, but you don't want to combine those two things for sure if you have osteoporosis. And if you do have osteoporosis, you may want to avoid some high-impact stuff. So you might want to talk to your doctor about that. Um, ACSM has no strong position on, on exercise design. They basically say, and ACSM is the one that gives us our guidelines for exercise. Do what you want to do as long as it doesn't cause pain. So those are some things that you want to be aware of. You want to try to stay away from if you have osteoporosis. So I'm hoping that that is helpful for you in your designing of your exercise program. If you're working with someone, talking to someone about that. Strain, okay, strain distribution, strain rate, strain magnitude, strain frequency. All things that you need to think about. And it's important. And that strain magnitude and strain um, Strain rate, strain rate, pardon me. I had frequency on my mind. I couldn't get it out of my head. So strain magnitude, strain frequency, strain tempo, how fast we do it is really all the important stuff you need to take a look at. So I want to thank you for watching, listening to what I have to say. Again, always, if you have any questions, put them in the comments. I'll get back to you. Or give me a call over here at Yes Fitness. The number scrolls across the bottom now. I'd be glappy to glappy. I need to end this broadcast real soon. I would be happy to help you with this because uh, it is a silent killer. You have no idea you have it until you have a fracture unless you, for some reason, have a bone density. One, one tip is you could go to the local university and um, volunteer for a bone density um, test and that test, but a study, and they would um, do those bone de density tests for you coming right out of the gate and you'd have an idea um, where you stand. That's one way to get it done without uh, the physician doing it. So there you have it. Oh, I did want to say this one thing. Let me get this name right. Um, our slides today are part of Dr. Jan Schroeder's. She's from Long Beach State University and the Garage Girls Fitness. Um, that's her workshop that I took on um, osteoporosis. I thought that was the part that you'd get the most out of and what you'd understand. So I just want to give her credit for that stuff. So you guys have a great night. Thanks for watching. And you can look for more information on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better next Tuesday at 3.30. Have a great evening.